Thanks for tuning in to the Prime Bookseller Podcast, the bi-weekly podcast discussing all things Amazon bookselling. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Prime Bookselling Podcast. I'm Eric and we're back again with another episode and I'm going to kick this episode off by giving everybody an apology because I know I had promised to do an episode about the performance dashboard on, on Amazon Seller Central. And then, ironically, just two random episodes came out, and I apologize for that. Um, the reason for that was was just that life got a little hectic, and uh, I was about to leave for Chile for two weeks, so I just got out two kind of easy episodes to have done because I needed to get them done before I left, so that's kind of why I got stiffed on this episode, but we're back now, and we are going to finally do the performance note or the performance dashboard uh, episode. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. So um, just a little note to this episode is this, that I think that this episode is going to be one of the, these episodes that if you're a new seller out there right now, this a lot of this might not make sense, may, may seem confusing or trivial to know, but this is a very important episode and this is probably the only place you're ever going to get this kind of information. Um, most other People out there talking about selling on Amazon aren't going to talk about this because it's not sexy. It's not, it, it, and it's not even a happy thing in the Amazon world. It's kind of a downside to the Amazon world, but it is important for you to understand this so you can protect your account and make sure that your business stays running well within Amazon's eyes. So to kick this off, what is the performance dashboard? Basically, a performance dashboard is just a little thing that Amazon put onto Seller Central just to kind of try and give you an idea of how you're doing as a seller. Um, the more things you get dinged on in this dashboard generally indicate that the more potential problems you're having with your account, the more likely that your account is to be suspended by Amazon. Um, Number one most important thing, and people may catch this if you go and look in it at Seller Central, and maybe nobody, not everybody has changed over to this model, but I've always talked about the red, yellow, and green bar. And it appears that at some point in time, Amazon did change that. It goes to show you how often I look at this. And now it's a number-based bar that you'll see if you look under account health rating. So um, I should, let me start back. To get to the performance dashboard, log into your Seller Central account right up at the top where it says Amazon Seller Central. There's three little bars to the left of that. If you click that, it'll bring down a menu and you can click on performance and it'll take you to this dashboard that I'm talking about. So the first thing you want to look at and the most important thing is that account health rating. It pops up right in the middle of the screen when you first open that window. It says account health rating and it'll have a number system from 0 to 1,000. And then you, you, it should tell you the number that you're at. And then right above that account health rating is where you'll see the green, yellow, or red. So right above that, you'll see that you might see like a, a green circle. Generally, you'll probably see a green circle that's, that says healthy. That indicates that there's no alarming ongoing problems on your Amazon account. So that right there is the number one thing for you to keep an eye on is you just want to be watching that bar. You do not have to go in and diligently study this every week or something like that. Just periodically pop in here and check to make sure that bar stays in the green. If it does not stay in the green, you want to start looking at the other things that are on this menu to figure out, okay, why is my bar not green and what can I do to resolve them? Like 
we have said in previous episodes about this. Um, some of these things, there's especially as a used bookseller, there is not going to be a lot you can do about it other than be aware of it and try just react to the things you as much as you can. Most of these problems that you're going to run into are going to entail you submitting an invoice. And in my experience, if you're a used bookseller on Amazon, Amazon is never going to submit any in, or accept any invoice that you turn in. They're just simply going to say that's not ineligible invoice. It has to be sent from a uh, uh, an official wholesale supplier or something like that, and and it's just it's just not going to work. And um, please, by all means, prove me wrong on this. And if you do prove me wrong, let me know because. Um, Actually, as of I probably haven't submitted an invoice in five years, mainly because I don't get a whole lot of these um, complaints anymore. In fact, I think I've gotten one in the last five years. But as well as it's just the times that I have sent sent it, it's just it's gone nowhere. So I just kind of have given up on it. So I use this more as a tool to to look at this stuff rather than, you know, just to monitor it and see where I am. And to make take actions if something negative happens. So um, I'm going to start over on the customer service performance section. On the this is going to be on the left hand side of the screen. So most of this stuff you will see. A lot of you might see. Well, depending, it it all might be zeros depending on your how, how if you're selling yet or not. But but um, seller fulfilled means MFN. So I don't know if I've ever clarified that in this podcast, but if you ever see somebody refer to something as seller fulfilled, that's what I call MFN. And then you'll see fulfilled by Amazon. Uh, so if you look like it says order de- defectorate and it says target under 1%, what that basically means is that Amazon would like to see that percentage under 1%. And just because if you go over 1% doesn't necessarily mean your account is going to get suspended, but it's definitely a red alarm that that you need to start making changes because you're headed in that direction. So, and this is very, very true. So I just want you to realize that as a new seller, don't think that Amazon is just this vicious company that if you sell three books and you have one order defect, that they're going to immediately suspend your account because they will not do that. They will... They're going to let you know that, hey, man, there's a problem here. But, you know, with such a small data set, they typically, I've never seen an instance where they actually suspend an account. Not to say that they won't, but but in most situations, I don't think they will. So what is an order defect rate? It's basically if you ship a, an item is shipped to the customer and the customer is not happy with it and they return it for a negative reason. Again, this is one of those things where, I mean, in 98% of the situations where a customer returns something for something they're not happy with, um, if you get that item back, most people will end up just selling it again because there really is nothing. It's a used book. There's going to be imperfections about a used book, and most things that people are are going to return a used book for are just going to be something that just happen over the years that you should just expect to be within a used book. So, so again, there's not a whole lot you can do to mitigate this. Um, you can try doing things like leaving better notes within the description of your items to make sure that people understand exactly what they're getting in the book. But 
in my experience, again, with that, you, you can write a whole novel about the description of every book that you sell. And most people do not go on to Amazon and read your novel about how the description of the book. They go on there, they find the cheapest book, they buy it. If they're not happy with it, they return it. So with that said, there is not a whole lot you can do about this. But again, this is something you just need to understand that if a customer does return something and they're not happy with it, that is a ding on your record. And the more dings you get, the more bigger of problems it's going to become. So you want to be monitoring this. And and this is something especially important with if you're not in the book space, which I would think most people listening to this uh, podcast are in the book space. But if you're not in the book space, you know, the big thing you can do with it, like an order defect rate is look at the different assets. If you're selling an item over and over again, and that item is being constantly returned, I it might be best for you to just stop selling that item because it's just going to cause problems and it's probably not worth the profit that you're getting from the sales. So you get, on that perspective, you can look at that and try to make a judgment call on whether to keep that asset in, in your inventory or not. But on the book side, it's really, really hard to do much with it other than to just realize that this metric is out there and you need to watch these. So now if you look down into the bottom, it's going to give you some of the things that cause uh, order defect rates. So if a customer, so it's not just basically if a customer returns an item, but they have to do one of the three things. They have to leave you negative feedback. They have to give you an A to Z claim or a chargeback claim. So what are any of these? Obviously, Amazon has a feedback system. Every time they purchase an item, a customer can leave feedback for them. And if they leave negative feedback, that's going to be an order defect. So then, what the good thing about this one is, is that almost nobody anymore uses the feedback system within Amazon. And I don't even think Amazon is really actively trying to get feedback from customers. So the chance of you getting a negative feedback are not very good just because most people don't even know how to leave feedback on Amazon. And they're not like they're getting, most of the time they're not getting an email asking for feedback. The A to Z claim would be if you sold something and then they call into Amazon and complain to an Amazon customer support rep, or there's also a system within like your Amazon account that you can also open an A to Z claim if you don't get an item or something like that in the seller is not responding to these. Again, this one is not super common to see. I, I maybe get two of these a year. And um, the biggest thing to to avoiding these is just simply make sure you're checking. If you're a merchant fulfilled seller, um, make sure that you're checking your email and responding to these. Um, for the most part, that like an A to Z claim, that is a merchant fulfilled seller thing only. So if you're only selling FBA, you don't even have to worry about this because they can't open it, a A to Z claim on an FBA item because that that customer support is supposed to be handled by Amazon by default. So there there's no reason to open an A to Z claim. So on the FBA side, you don't even have to worry about that. On the merchant fulfilled side, if you're selling things merchant fulfilled, the, the easiest way to avoid that is to simply just be checking your email on a daily basis and answering your customers' inquiries. And more than likely, they will never open an ADZ claim. The only time I get an ADZ claim now is, is because some people 
they just don't even bother to contact you. They just go directly to Amazon and, and uh, file and call with a complaint about an item, even though the proper process is to first contact the seller. And a lot of times when they do that, the, the Amazon agent will just open an ADZ claim. So, so you will get those periodically, but it's not frequent enough to really be w too worried about it. Chargeback claims. That's actually when somebody buys an item and then they go to their credit card company and say, I didn't get the item or I'm not happy with the item. And then the, uh, the credit card company goes back to Amazon, blah, blah, blah. And in those situations, um, Amazon's going to send you out an email and ask for information about the item. And then they're going to more than likely just give the customer their money back and, and you'll lose the money. So, um, in those, again, this one is another super, super rare one and just follow the process that Amazon has for it. Give them the information they want and then, and then just don't worry about it because for the most part, you should not get enough chargeback claims ever to get your account in trouble. If you are, you really need to sit down and reflect and say, why is this happening? Because it shouldn't happen. I mean, I have worked with multiple multiples of sellers and nobody ever gets these things. So if you're just getting them in a high frequency, it, you have to really sit down and think like, could I be doing something? Because I, I don't know how else that could be happening to you. Okay, so that's the customer service performance part. Pretty simple there. All you got to worry about is those three things and you should never have a problem. And for the most part, if you're an FBA only seller, you almost don't really have to worry about any of them because the I probably the biggest one you have to worry about is chargeback claims or, well, negative feedback and chargeback claims as an FBA seller. And neither one of those is very frequent. So, I mean... I don't think very many people ever get suspended on their account from these metrics, simply put, unless they're a merchant fulfilled seller, then that's very possible. So, all right, so let's jump over to the, the policy compliance section. And this is the one that, this is the one that I think you really need to want to be watching for. Uh, suspected intellectual property violations. So, that's the very first one you'll see on, on the list there. This one is not typically a big deal. But with that said, you do not want to be getting a lot of these because if you're getting a lot of these, a lot of they typically go to a suspected policy via or suspected intellectual property violation to a actual intellectual property violation. And the actual one, which is the second one down to the received intellectual property complaint, that is not one that you want to get. So while a suspected one is not a big deal, you still want to keep those to a minimum so they don't flip to an actual one, if that makes sense. The first one line, not really heavily too worried about it. And I'm going off the basis that most of us are booksellers. If you get one in there and if you get a book that comes up with that, more than likely, you're only going to have one copy of that book uh, available. What I typically do in that scenario is I just take that book offline because I don't even want to deal with... I, I, you can say, well, I spent $3 on that book and I can make $12 if I sell it. Well, 
is it really worth losing your account over for that $12? I don't see it as it. I'll just eat the $3, get rid of the book, take it offline so it, I'm I'm not at worry at all. And in theory, I, I think sometimes this works and other times it doesn't work. When you remove that item, if you remove that asset completely from the, from your Amazon account, then that actual violation will disappear from your performance tab as well, which is just another good thing. And it takes that uh, item completely out of your account so you can never receive an actual violation for it. So so I highly, highly recommend that. Um, again, if you want to ask me how often I get one of these, it is so rare. So, so, so rare that it's almost not worth talking about. But people have different experiences. And and as far as the received intellectual property complaint, that's a big deal. And that can, uh, that can nip you in the butt pretty quick. So it is not something you want to ignore. One, maybe you can look at it and be like, get that item offline, get it out of sale, make Amazon forget you ever had it, even though you probably are selling a perfectly legit item, just just make it disappear so there's never any concern about it, and, and then move on. So let's go into the next one. The, the next one is another another pretty important one product authenticity complaints this is more or less like a counterfeit type thing which you absolutely never in any situation want to do this now um and again what's what happens if you get one of these what they're going to ask you for is to submit an invoice to show that the item is not a counterfeit um again like i told you at the beginning of this podcast more than likely amazon is never going to accept any of the receipts that a used bookseller has you can please, please, please try it a couple times. Be more motivated than me. Try it a couple times and see if you can get them to accept one of them. But more than likely, they're not going to accept it. So you can certainly fight this battle, but um, more than likely, they're just going to ignore you because you're not buying from an actual publisher or something like that with a with a with the proper invoice that they ask for. So... So again, this is just something you have to keep an eye on. If you see one of these come through, remove that item completely from your Amazon account. And and then just always keep track of this. Make sure you're not getting too many. If you ever feel like, oh my God, I'm in a dangerous place. I don't know what to do. Shoot an email over to sales at kingsridgemedia.com and ask, ask me, I'm happy to jump on a call and, and sit down with you and look at it and see what are some of the options you can do just to kind of protect your account. Um, there are certain things you could always do. All of these complaints on here are like on a revolving six-month window. So they fall off after six months and they no longer harm you after six months. So in the worst case scenario, if you get to a place where your account feels unsafe, like I'm afraid I'm going to lose my account, you can simply go online and take everything offline so you don't get any sales for the next six months. Let everything fall off your account and then pick right up after that six months. Hopefully you wouldn't ever have to do that. But there are options to if you get to a place where you're like, oh crap, what am I going to do? Blah, 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 blah. You know, you can slow down sales because even if you're still selling, but you're not selling nearly as much stuff, it 
mitigates the amount of complaints like this you're going to get to allow you more time for those complaints to fall off. And you can just do things like that to try and protect your account, make sure that you don't lose anything from it. So, um, but again, the product authenticity one, you want to pay attention to that. That one is important. Product condition customer complaints. This couple years ago was super, super big, like especially for booksellers. But I haven't seen one of these in a really, really long time again. So I think they've kind of backed off on this. Um, basically what that is, is normally it's just selling a, uh, a new item as used or a used item as new. And, and even if you're selling a new item, a customer might get it, decide, make the decision that to them, it's not new and they will file a complaint and you'll get one of these. Um, again, haven't seen these in a long time. So I think that this has kind of died down, but this is also a big one that, and especially as a media seller, you want to pay attention to because I do see this one nip a lot of media sellers um, by doing this. And the easiest way to do this is you're never going to get a condition complaint for selling an item used. So if you're fraying the lines of selling new new items, maybe just focus on used items because if you're worried about that one, just focused on used, you can never going to complain. They're not going to give you a, a, a condition complaint for selling a very good item as, or a good item as very good or a very, a good item as like new, but they are going to hit you if you go from used to new. So, um, food and food and sa product safety issues. Um, that's going to be more of a manufacturer specific thing. You, you just, uh, I, I don't have the knowledge because I don't sell in these categories. I get these kind of things. If you're focusing specifically on book selling, you will never have to worry about that one. Listing policy violations are typically going to be like high price alerts. Um, uh, something that high price alerts or some other reason that Amazon might be suppressing your listing for some reason. It could be that maybe your listing is missing critical information that that needs to be updated before they'll allow people to sell on it. Things like of this nature. Um, for the most part with these, your, your high price alerts, you want to go look at them, see if you can fix them. A lot of times they're high price. Amazon's restrictions on you to do high fixing high pricing alerts will just put you into a negative area where you'll be losing money by selling that item. So you have to be careful. Don't just take Amazon's recommendations. Make sure that if you are going to adjust the price down to in the parameters, that those parameters are still going to make you money or at least make the money back that you spent for the item because they don't care if you're winning or losing money. They're just doing things that an algorithm says to do. So um, a lot of times in my experience with listing with like the high price alerts and things like that, I ignore them because a lot of times what happens is over time, they just get lifted automatically because again, a lot of this stuff is done. Well, it's all done by algorithms and algorithms are weird. And a lot of times you'll look at things and be like, why are they telling me to price this at something? Or my favorite is, is you go look at the item that they're telling you, we suppress this listing because the price is high, too high. And you're selling it at like $30. And there's like seven other sellers on Amazon that are selling it at $70. And 
and and their listing isn't suppressed, but yours is, which makes absolutely no sense. So a lot of times, if you just sit on this stuff, it'll just go away naturally because the algorithm will work itself out. Or I, I'm not even going to say that I'm right on that what happens, but I just I find that a lot of times they just go away on their own. So so again, listing pilot policy violations this is a good thing to look at. Don't worry, as of as of today, as of this recording, which I will tell you is 12 of December of 2023, your account should never get suspended for these. But there are also things that are trying to make you a better seller. There, A lot of times, if you have a lot of these, these items are not showing up on Amazon, if even available for sale. So it's really important that you address those and... And at least try to fix as many as you can. So, I mean, to get your inventory back online. Uh, the restrictive policy, product policy violations. Actually, this is one of the more common ones I see now nowadays on my accounts. Still not very many, maybe one or two a year. And my understanding of this is that Amazon has decided for whatever reason, this product is something that you cannot sell on Amazon. Um as far as how I'm sure that if you were to get a rash of these um, in a short period of time, it could it could be a detriment to your account. But as long, a, a couple here and there, is, they're not going to kill you. Number one thing is just if you see that, they will give you the asset of that item. Go in to Amazon, go to Manage Inventory, enter that asset in and just delete that listing offline completely. If you have inventory in stock, have it sent back to you or have it disposed of and just get rid of it so that, you know, there's no questions when they, if, if something ever happens, they look at their your account, they don't see a bunch of restricted crap sitting there that you just never did anything with. Be pro- proactive about removing this stuff when they tell you to remove it and, and you should be fine. They shouldn't be one to worry about. But if for some instance that in one day you get 10 of these, now you're in a different scenario and you may want to contact somebody with more knowledge to see what are your options to do here because, and you need to address like, how did I get 10 of these in, in, in a day? Because I'll be honest with you, I've never seen that happen before in my life. So again, if it happens to you, yes, it could be just an anomaly. It could be a glitch in Amazon systems or something like that, but it could also be something that you're specifically doing with your account. Uh, customer pr- product review policy violations. I don't really know what that is, so I can't really speak to that again. But if you're again in to the book space, probably not going to affect you. And then other policy violations, that's other things that they've put out there that's going to be, you might see the high pricing violations in there and stuff like that as well. It's just going to be a bunch of more informational type policies that you should look at and understand and try to correct, but it's not going to put your uh, account in danger. Okay, and then over uh, to the right-hand side, you will see shipping performance. That is all completely MFN-based only. Um, late shipment rate is, is you have a certain amount of time. Uh, I believe nowadays it is 24 hours to ship out a product that you get a sale on. 
So um, every time you you are late on shipping that item out, they track that and they want you to remain under four percent on that. Uh, the pre fulfillment cancel rate is is if you customer purchase something and you can't find that item to ship it out to the customer and you have to cancel that order that counts against your pre pre fulfillment cancel rate they want that under two and a half percent and then valid tracking rate is just making sure that you're for the majority of their order for every order they want you to upload valid tracking so just to make sure that for that um, the easiest way to do that is if you are doing mfn use some sort of shipping software where you're just printing the label right off within that software and it's sending the tracking number right up to Amazon. If you're on the smaller scale side, you can even use Amazon itself and they'll ship the label and they'll automatically always put the tracking in there. So you should never have a problem with that. And again, that side is completely merchant fulfilled shipping based. So if you are not doing merchant fulfilled shipping, you never have to worry about that square at all. No FBA seller will ever get in trouble with that. But again, being that you are probably going to be a bookseller, um, I highly do encourage you that you do think about merchant fulfilled bookselling because that is going to be a big piece of the puzzle if you want to really truly scale. So that's kind of the performance note or performance tab brief breakdown. Hopefully that information was helpful. I, um, the biggest, biggest thing to take away from this episode, though, is is just over by policy compliance, always be watching your account health rating and that box above the account health rating that says healthy. And if you see changes in those that alarm you, especially if that box, that healthy box turns to yellow or red, you definitely want to be looking into this to figure out what's going on and what you can do to resolve those issues so that you don't have any disruptions with your Amazon account. So um, with that, I'm going to wrap this episode up. I, I'm, I apologize this went that long. I hope you understand that this is the reason why I did not want to uh, do this before I left on my vacation because it's a longer episode. It took a little more prepping to get used to get ready for so but with that we'll wrap this episode up i do have scheduled already for the next episode we're going to be talking about the automated automatic removals of books for long-term storage fees and unfulfillable items um, what i just said there might not make a lot of sense but we will jump into that in the next episode this is something that I would highly recommend that one of the first things you do when you set up your Amazon account is configure these things because if you do not configure these things, inevitably as an Amazon bookseller, books are going to get removed. Um, you'd have to be a very, very skilled bookseller to be able to only buy books that sell within the time period that an FBA warehouse wants the inventory out of, which is usually 6 to 12 months. And what these settings are going to do is they're going to manage just getting rid of anything that you haven't sold within a period where you're going to start incurring huge fees from it. So we will talk about that more in more detail in the ep next episode. Um, again, I apologize that on the delay for this episode, but like I said, it just was kind of a timing thing. So, But I will be back in two weeks with the... Uh, fulfillable and unfulfillable settings and we will see you. oh and 
As always, if you do have a question, please reach out to me, sales at kings, K-I-N-G-S, ridge, R-I-D-G-E, media.com. As well as if you are getting into the book selling space and you're looking for ways to source books, check out, go over to kingsridgemedia.com or check in the show notes for our different services that we have for Amazon booksellers looking to source books. Um, We do work with a network of suppliers that can get you access to books at pretty, pretty reasonable prices. And, and we can do a lot of the backend automation of that where all you, you end up doing is sourcing the books and you, the books come into our warehouse and are shipped directly into your Amazon account for you. It's kind of a very unique service that I don't think anybody else is doing out there. So, so if you're interested in that, jump over to King's Ridge Media. Uh, you can set up a time to meet with me and we can talk about those services and see how they can help you in your business. So again, thank you everybody again for tuning in and we'll see you on the next one. Thanks for listening to the Prime Bookseller Podcast. Join us for the next episode as we discuss all things Amazon bookselling. selling.